Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the podcast episode. Adam here. Adam Chris Mudge here. And Chris Munch Chris. here. Yep. Here, Chris. And no Gary today. No Gary. No Gary. This is a cut. This is a special episode. Uh, we are actually, uh, we're uh, recording this on Zoom because we are interviewing one of my favorite comedians out there. So uh, good. Dustin Nickerson. Dustin Nickerson. We didn't, we did we couldn't trust Gary around Dustin. We that couldn't was, trust him. He, we weren't he sure. Would, we were afraid of what he might say. He would fanboy too much. No, he was invited <laughs> and he said, guys, I have real work to do. Yeah, he has um, work to do. Yeah. So uh, we're interviewing Dustin Nickerson today because if you've been listening to the podcast, you have heard me talk about it so much, but I'm opening for Dustin uh, here in Tulsa at Bricktown Comedy Club on August 26th. And yeah. uh, so we wanted to talk to Dustin about his life in comedy. Talk about if you stuff. love clean comedy, like Dustin is is the best. Like I I love his style, his delivery, his uh, just observation. He's just he's just really 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 solid comedian. Yes, um, and he's clean. It's awesome. Yeah, exactly. And so a little bit about Dustin because we don't we kind of just jump in into the episode into the interview. Uh, Dustin's been a comic for about 11 years. He started in San Diego um, and uh, did the open mic scene, you know, and, and some road work for the, you know, first six or so years of his career. And then he uh, started opening for some bigger names like John Christ and Tim Hawkins, and eventually sort of landed in the Taylor Tomlinson camp, Nate Bergazzi, um, uh, Bert Kreischer. Uh, and so that's, you know, and then he headlines his, his own shows and he's just, he, he just yeah. is killing it. He's, he's he wrote a book. He wrote, he wrote a book. He's got two specials under his belt. Um, I'm trying to think of what, I mean, the, the guy, I heard Nate Bergazzi talk about him one time and he said, he just grinds it out. He, he's yeah. a workhorse. Yeah. What's also really cool. And kind of the, one of the ways I found him is that he is a family man. He is a father of three. Um, he's been married to his high school sweetheart for, I want to say over 20 years, something like that. And, uh, and their podcast is awesome, which is called don't make me come back there. He's been on Corden twice. Is he's that been right? On twice. Yeah. He was on one of the last episodes. Yeah. They, he, he was on the last year that Corden was on. And then they had him come back one more time just before he left. And so like, mm -hmm. that's, that's pretty special. So I'm a big fan. Dustin's been so kind to me and giving me advice the couple of times that I've talked to him and met him. And it's so kind of him to let me open for him in Tulsa. And so, um, you know, for that show, we want to pack it out. If you're in Tulsa or the Oklahoma city area, then come on out August 26th, uh, Bricktown comedy club. It's a 4 PM show. So it's early and it's 13 and up for people. Um, so, you know, you can bring your, your teenagers if, if they, if you like, if you like clean comedy and it's super safe, like you're, you're not going to have to walk away teaching your kids about something <laughs> that you didn't really want to <laughs> yeah, have a conversation with your kids that you weren't planning on having. Yeah. Yeah. Having, exactly. having, having, or having either one. Having, whatever. Yeah. All right. So let's get into, um, our first ever interview on the podcast with. Should comedian. we say the name at the same time? <laughs> yeah okay so i'll say comedian and then we get Does, oh yeah no we're not ready you ready i'm ready okay there we go so uh the uh, uh, uh so let's get into our interview with comedian dustin, dustin nickerson. nickerson here we go <laughs>
Dustin, where are you? I'm in San Francisco right now. I, um, I'm out here doing shows with Taylor and uh, Tomlinson for listeners. Uh, the, um, we do, we're, we're doing the shows in Oakland and Fresno and just dinking across because uh, Oakland is, uh, well, there's just, uh, I love Oakland, but I don't choose where we stay. And uh, the, the hotels seem to be a little nicer on this side of the bay. So <laughs> uh, it's all, it's all the preference of the headliner. So where I'm, I'm in downtown San Francisco right now, which is great. I love it. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of an ideal situation for a comic, right? That the headliner would put you in a nice place. Yeah, yeah, and I'm gonna go hang out and uh, maybe pop onto the late show at the Punchline, which is like point awesome. two miles from us tonight. So we're uh, we're working. That's awesome. Yeah, it's well, a solid comedy weekend. Well, uh, we'll get into it. Um, and uh, let's see here. Okay, so you know, but our our podcast, Risk It for the Biscuit, just follows our comedy journey. We Chris and I both worked at a church for 15, 20 years. And then middle age, both in our 40s, left to pursue comedy um, about the same time. You have some similarities in your story in that you worked at a church for a long time, which is actually kind of where I heard about you to begin with years ago. Mm-hmm. You worked at a rec center and you you became a comic in your 30s. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, I started, um, I went to my first open mic when I was 27. So I didn't, I didn't quit anything to pursue comedy for several years. I did them both simultaneously. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and anyone who asks, I always recommend that as the route, right? Like hold on to your day job as long as you can. I don't think I don't think a day job hinders your pursuit of stand-up comedy in any way whatsoever. I think that as long as you have a place that you can get on stage, then mm-hmm. if anything, it helps it because I don't think you want to be, I don't think you want to tie your comedy to your income anytime early. Mm-hmm. I think you want to be free to try whatever you want to try and be whoever you want to be. And you'll start making compromises pretty early on to get money if you mm-hmm. have and i don't i don't think that that's a a good place to be creatively so i i held on to my job pretty long and i i was fortunate in that i had a, a good day job and that they were accommodating but ultimately it was me who was accommodating because i i think adam you've heard me talk about this before but like you know for the better part of four or five years Every Thursday or Friday, or at least a few Thursday, Fridays a month, mm-hmm. I would open up the rec center at 4 a.m., work my shift, go get on a plane or drive somewhere to my weekend gig, do the shows for the weekend, sleep on the in the airport on Sunday uh, night, get up Monday morning, fly home, go to work. Like, that was... That, so, there were compromises being made, but they weren't the job... The job mm-hmm. knew I did comedy, but it, they they hardly noticed in some regards. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, to answer the first question, I was 27 when I did my first open mic, and um, like uh, I think I I think I quit to go full time like 32, 33, something like that. So like six years, six years of which of- is still pretty early. I was very fortunate, you know. I had um, I had it was Tim Hawkins who made it possible for me, like Tim. Tim, well, his brother at the time, Todd, called me and who was his uh, manager, business partner, and said, like, because I had done some dates with him 
And they were very sporadic, like every few months or something mm-hmm. like that. And he said, like, we want to offer you the max that we offer any comic, which was like one or two weekends a month, which supplemented that with my own work. I was like, this is it. I can do it. I can I can make the jump. now." Oh, wow. Yeah. So, so yes. yeah, I owe Tim Hawkins a lot. Yeah, people who listen to our podcast, most of them aren't comics. And so the comment like six years is pretty early. That would be, I think that would be new information to them. Yeah, no, I think think if you're a professional within six, seven years, that's very early. And you should call yourself very, very fortunate. And if you aren't that, then you are either some phenom uh, or you have a lot of money. (laughs) (laughs) do um you the three different careers there church and then the rec center and comedy yeah the the church and comedy didn't overlap they're like i i started doing open mics almost simultaneously with like there was there was a i think i may have still been on staff at a church when i did my first open mic but it was i was on my way out like i had already Mm -hmm. The, yeah. the rec center was my job and the career path I was going down at that point. So um, there wasn't really any overlap between it was just uh, it was just selling uh, selling rec center memberships and signing kids up for camp and soccer and mm. saying to seniors complain about the temperature of the water being too cold or too <laughs> hot, depending on the day. I I fell into stand up accidentally, so there wasn't really an initial conversation with my wife about like I won a contest, and so that was kind of my introduction to it. But for you, what was that conversation with Mel, your wife, when you're like, I think I want to try stand up? Yeah, I mean, I think like she always knew I've like I've been in love with stand up since I was a kid, okay. and she knew that like it's always been my favorite thing, you know, and. She, uh, she, it wasn't, it was very gradual because when I, you go to your first open mic, it's not like I'm committing to a career in stand up. Mm. That was very bizarre to me when people just go, like, I'm pursuing stand up as a career and they've never done it. I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't, what? <laughs> like, uh, I don't, I don't understand. Like, I, it wasn't my experience. So I don't, I don't understand it. But, I I went to an open mic almost as like a bucket list kind of thing. Uh, like yeah. is this is something I've always wanted to try. And then I did it and it did kind of fall into step for me of going like, oh, this is what I was looking for. Because all I really knew from whether when I was a preaching or I was originally started out as a journalist or thought I wanted to go that route. And then like, I, I think... Like when I first when I first uh, crossed paths with your guy Jim Weidman, I was running like the like, oh man yeah your com like the conference speaker circuit. I had like a comedy blog. Like all I knew, okay yeah all I knew is that I had something to say. That's all I knew. Mm-hmm. And then I found stand up, and I was like, this is it because uh, <laughs> to me. To me, uh, stand-up is kind of the only form of public speaking I respect uh, mm-hmm. because it's the hardest by mm-hmm. a mile. Like, mm-hmm. all the other forms are so easy in comparison. Mm-hmm. Preaching, motivational speaking, uh, you know, business presentations, uh, they're all so easy compared to stand-up because stand-up, you have to not just say what you're trying to say. 
but it also has to be funny. Yeah. And actually, actually, even more so the latter. It has right. to be funny. Yeah. Right. And then also, if you get across what you want to say, great. But the crowd does not care what you yeah. have to say. Yeah. All they care is that it makes them laugh. Yeah. I, I did a show at the Looney Bin with headliner from uh from um from New York, and he came out and this was early on, and I was just like, that worked for you. And he goes, You actually have jokes. <laughs> I was just like, I do. Didn't most people? And he's just like, a lot of people, they don't, they don't do jokes. They just do a lot of talking. Yeah. Yeah. And I, especially when you go into like a real a road city and a road room, like a Tulsa Looney bin. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, we got a local opener. You're like, all right. Yeah. We go. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't know what the Tulsa scene produces. And I'm sure you were a uh, a very pleasant surprise for him. And they're like, oh, you're just like a a normal human with jokes. Yeah, right. So. You mentioned Tim Hawkins, and then you you used to open for John Christ. You're not a Christian comedian. No, I mean that those are always like such weird terms. The um. I think part of the reason that Tim and John liked me and used me is because I don't didn't have church jokes. Mm. I mean, John told me that to my face once. Like he's like, you know, we, we have no crossover in material. Like I don't. Oh, okay. There's no. It's a it's a different show. It's very similar with Taylor and I too, in that you want an opener who is good, but also was like different than you. Like I wouldn't like as I'm like choosing. If I'm going out and I was like, hey, who's someone that has my exact demographic life experience yeah. point of view on the world? Like, that's not going to that's not going to help me at all. Like, I remember John joking about like, he's like, I don't, I don't know that I'd ever have Andrew Stanley open for me because he's a homeschool pastor's kid. And I was like, yeah, I mean, that is this, oh, that is. Yeah. You. yeah. OK. Um, but yeah, I opened for John for a few years and and uh, was with him on tour when all his crap went down. And uh, we were. Yeah, yeah. That was after I worked for Mars Hill, and then John things happened, and I was like, "Is it me?" <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm the common denominator here. Um, but the um, but John was very. I've been very fortunate to have a lot of other comics. Like I don't get any industry love. Like I don't have. I don't have an agent. I don't have a manager. I don't mm -hmm. get picked to be on lists or get write-ups in variety mm -hmm. or anything. Like I don't, I don't get festivals. I don't get any of the things. Mm -hmm. uh, however, I do have a, I have been very fortunate and that I get a lot of love from comics mm. and a lot of like, and I've been very fortunate that Tim, John, neighbor Gatsi and Taylor Tomlinson and even before that, when I was really early on, uh, Don Friesen and Zoltan Cassis, like just good comics have like taken me on the road yeah. and really helps me a lot, you know. Dustin, could you speak to why you've taken the route of not having like maybe more of a traditional, you know, representation and all that kind of stuff? Oh, only because of them not asking. <laughs> no, 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 that's not entirely true. Um, I, I, I have had agents that has not worked out both hmm. times. Um, agencies really different. Uh, agencies really unique in comedy in that um, I don't know if it's similar in acting, but like you don't actually need agents to get booked. Um, 
you know, uh, Bergazzi told me this, and I think he said Jesselnik told him this, that like 90% of what you get in comedy comes from other comics. It's true. And and mm. my, my buddy Zoltan told me that too. He said like, oh, uh, one of the most important rules in, in this business is to be nice to everybody because you never, <laughs> you never know who's going to get what. Yeah. And yeah. that is so true. Like, mm. you know, you're like, oh my gosh, uh, that guy's hosting the late show now. Well, it shouldn't have been, mm. shouldn't have been awful to him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but the um i don't i don't like i'm booked every weekend till next february i don't like so when agents come to me like right. they don't offer a lot to me right mm, sure so i'm kind of at a point right now where a manager and agent i would have to be convinced that they would do a lot for me mm-hmm. yeah. and like the way that reps are in our industry in comedy is like, they like you on a one to 10 scale. They like you when you're like a one or maybe like a two or a three. It's not as far as talent goes, but as far as like how established you are following Mm -hmm. jokes, dates, bookings, those kind of things. And then they like you when you're a nine or a 10, they like whales, they can make a lot of money off of. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm in between that. Yeah. And, not like a two or three, like, oh my gosh, William Morris agency, you can get me booked. Like I I can get myself booked. Um yeah. whether opening for other comics or my own headlining dates. Like I I'm like a grown-up. I know how to send emails and send my yeah. stuff. Uh, <laughs> but I'm not attractive enough to like the bigger agents because I'm not selling enough tickets or making enough money in those markets. Right. Someone would be like, let me get 10% of that, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like, even if my special is doing pretty well, which it is, and I'm grateful for, it's not an amount of views and uh, comments and 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 money making so far that some rep is like, let me get a piece of that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> One exception is I do have a literary agent. I do have like a, because you, you can self-publish a book, but nobody's going to buy that. You right, kinda, yeah. The, the publishers still kind of own, own that world. Interesting. Very cool. So, uh, comedy, uh, I sent you this question yesterday, Dustin, it, it's not pro family. Like stand up is not pro family in the sense that like it's on the weekends, it's at night, open mics to get on stage for five minutes. It'll cost you hours. Right. So you are an anomaly. I mean, you have three, three children. Is that right? You have three, three kids? children. Yeah. Yeah. You've been married, um, for a long time. I've heard you even say other comics have called you like, husband guy or dad guy or whatever like yeah when i uh wife guy dave wife wade guy. Every, anytime i'm at the store he always goes dustin nickerson wife guy and <laughs> they'll, they'll ironically start doing the borat voice I, I, yeah it's very funny so <laughs> yeah well just talk about that how, how have you made that work for you yeah i mean it's definitely like a, a give and a take um you know there's 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 a reality to like the fact that like nine to five jobs don't exist anymore those are gone Mm. like Mm. and when i worked in churches i was gone on a very conventional off day and if the kids had something going on sunday i was not there for that yeah whenever the rec centers they had a lot of saturday events and i always say this like when i travel like you know i travel whenever i'm in the delta lounge like the lounge is full always Mm-hmm. There are traveling jobs. People travel for work. And this is one of the traveling jobs, which mm-hmm. means you have to 
really go over the top to to be as accommodating as you can, which is why I do things like this while I'm on the road. Mm. Like, so I try and hit, I mm. have like a meeting after this and two more tomorrow and I try and get as much done. I'll edit all my videos. I'll get all my content mm. scheduled. I'll do all of my emails and stuff. I do that on plane. So I try and be just like a blank slate of nothing to do when I get home on Sunday this week for Mother's Day. And um, like for four, four and a half days a week, you know, your father of the year, as far as my kids' teachers know, I'm the best dad ever <laughs> because I drop them off at school four days a week. And there's not a lot of dads doing that. But then as far as like my daughter's volleyball coach knows and all her events are on Saturday, I'm dead. Mm -hmm. <laughs> as far as she Where's knows as far as she knows gloria doesn't have a dad <laughs> so there is just a lot of like communication and, and ultimately like you do you have to have a spouse that it, it can work with because melissa is is the perfect mix of uh, an artist an entrepreneurial and just a highly capable individual mm -hmm. that she can make it work um but I have people ask that a lot. Like, I'm not sure if it can make it work with like, you know, our schedule in our life in pursue comedy. And then I just always ask like, well, what do you want then? Because if Melissa was like, this isn't working, then I would quit immediately. I didn't burn bridges at the rec center. I'll go back. That's not a, I'll do, <laughs> I can, I can do local shows twice a month and scratch that itch for me. You know, I didn't, I didn't get into this to like, to be, a traveling road famous comedian. I got into this just because I thought I wanted to tell jokes and make people laugh, you know? So I yeah. wouldn't be happy about it, but I would do it. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Something that attracted me to your comedy pretty early on is that Melissa is a big part of your, you know, the Dustin Nickerson business. And that's unique. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, she's literally the CFO of our LLC. She's, doing we were talking uh we were talking right before this and uh, i facetimed her she's like don't you have a call and i was like ah, i don't i don't want these uh i don't want these like two guys to be the first people i talk to today <laughs> i want to i want to ease into my day with a, a nice chat with my wife uh and she's like well i gotta run these books um and she was working on that and like the newsletter and we do the podcast together and stuff and you know, I, I've talked about that a few times too, but I, I did have a, a comic that I was working with uh, on the road and he was going through a pretty big hardship in his marriage. And he told me that he said, like, your instinct is going to be to make them less involved, the mm -hmm. more successful you get. And he goes, go against that instinct mm -hmm. as involved as you can, because mm -hmm. it needs to be a we, it can't be. Otherwise it's easy to stop be, be start thinking like, well, I'm making all these sacrifices for your job, for your career, for your dreams, for your ambitions. Yeah. And uh, I think that's true. Now it really does feel like, you know, wins for Dustin Nickerson comedy are like a win are wins for both of us. You know, it also makes it easier when you're saying things like, you know, we just like, we just bunch dumped a bunch of money into making a podcast studio that is not making money right now but mm -hmm. it's an investment that you go like okay i hope this works out and that's a lot easier when it's you're making the decision together you know? mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. as opposed to like your podcast is losing money this was a mistake you're like yeah. you know you yeah. a little more coverage you know yeah that's so good i i mean i i, I so agree with that and i think that's been kind of the heartbeat of 
what me and Adam have been doing is is wanting to make this more of a family thing and, and yeah. not feeling like we have to do what we feel like we're gifted to do. And that means, well, the family's going to have to take the back seat. I mean, obviously there's, there's, like you just said, there, there, there's give and take, but yeah, I worked a ton with, with my wife, Lisa, Adam, I know you write a lot with your wife, Di. So like, it's really encouraging to hear someone yeah. steps ahead of us go like, yeah, that's a really cool way to, to do it. And, and yeah. Did uh, so, your wife back too? No, she doesn't. She, she's actually pretty, uh, lower on like the artistic side, she's you know more administrative kind of minded. But I find she's a great audience. Uh, she has good taste and right. can tell me when something's not great. And she's a great sounding board. So I'm usually the one kind of writing the jokes or the bits or whatever. But but she's a great sounding board. So yeah, there's there's a really good interview right now with uh, James Corden went on uh, Howard Stern and he talked about why he left. Mm. You know. Or trashing him like he left, like yeah. like he got, he like they canceled him, or you know, and he's like, no man, they, they offered him fifty million dollars to stay, mm-hmm. and he left. Yeah. But it is a really good, I think it's an interview worth listening to. When he talked about like the my, the family has been marching to the beat of mm-hmm. my drum, yeah, here. like that's it, and that's a dangerous place to be. And honestly, it's like it's more vulnerable than I want to be. I don't mm-hmm. want, I don't want the whole family to be risking everything right just my behalf you know like because i don't i don't believe in myself enough for that (laughs) (laughs) what have you have you dustin have you made mistakes in that area that you ever not a one (laughs) not in a thousand flawless hundred percent yeah i mean um there's always it always comes down into um, to dates. It always comes down to like, because the one thing that I have is like, I do kind of have, I control, not control, but like at my level, like booking has to go fast. Like I don't, if someone sends me an offer, this is a good example. So like I had to move a series of dates I had this summer in Columbus, Cincy and Pittsburgh to December. And I had to move those because of some family stuff going on. And we, uh, like the improv, I'm doing a weekend at the Pittsburgh Improv. And they're like, hey, I think we can move you to this weekend. But I have this offer that's been out to a bigger act for that weekend. And we've been waiting like a month or two to to hear back from that offer. That means that's a huge name. That's Mm -hmm. someone gigantic. That's like Andrew Schultz on his club schedule right now or Mm -hmm. something like that. I don't have that. Like if a booker emails me, I'm like, I email you back within the hour. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not making you enough money to be an inconvenience to you. So it always, a lot of time it just does come down into dates. And that, what that, we had to get just incredibly detailed on our shared Google calendar of just like every type appointment, anniversary thing that could be uh birthday track event wrestling thing it is on the schedule so i know when i'm looking at december 14th through 16th i'm really looking on there and going oh no oh, oh okay wait a minute no glory has a choir performance that day i can't do that so it's it's usually in regards to scheduling that i've like whoops booked over that again <laughs> uh well let's um let's start wrapping it up with talking about the show and and where you're headed and and some of those final details so first just as a kind of a recap as a comedian you 
predominantly open for Taylor Tomlinson when you're opening Naper Gotsi some and a few other pretty big headliners. And then you have your own headlining tour, mm-hmm. um, which is, uh, you know, part of the stop in Tulsa, which we'll talk about in a minute. Uh, I think at least from my perspective, from as being a standup, like I'd be like, that sounds great. If I could do, if I could do what you're doing, that's, that's kind of it. But where do you kind of see yourself going from here? Yeah. I mean, it's a good place to be for now, for sure. It's, it's not like you cannot, you definitely don't want to get pigeonholed as an opener and do that forever and just be, cause there are comics in our industry that mm. when you say that person's name, you go, Oh, they're that person's opener. And you don't want that. Mm. You do have to kind of carve out through your own dates, but also your own projects, you know, like I, uh, sometimes like I actually, one of the reasons my last agency dropped me is they were like, oh, you know, you, we don't, we don't want to represent openers. Like, you know, you, you don't want to get pigeonholed mm-hmm. as Taylor Tomlinson's opener. And I was like, hey, I don't think this is working. Cause if you think that's what the industry thinks of me, you are just so off. Like, mm-hmm two specials out. I have a book. I have several TV appearances. I have a headlining tour going constantly. Like I, I've got stuff. I'm working on my third hour. Like this is it. I'm like, I make, I'm, I've been on these big podcasts as a guest myself. Like I'm not some, you know, like, uh, it's, it's what I was trying to think of the, uh, the, uh, where I'm not the, I'm not the second driver in Talladega nights. What's his name? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jake and Jake and Yeah, exactly. Um, but I also do hear that sentiment, and I because I do know that is a thing that exists. So, I mean, I, I don't, I don't have like an expiration date on these things. There's just um, you want like a diversity of work because you know mm-hmm. the goal. My goal when I started comedy, once I started to get to the point where I like could set real goals was like, my first is to do this professionally. Like I want this to be my job. And then my second is to roll into a market, play their best club, like play the A club in that market and then have 70 to 80% of the people in those crowds there to see me, like buy tickets. So that's Mm -hmm. always what I'm chipping it away now, which is like, I'm chip. I, you know, I post in my brain. I go, I post everywhere every day on every platform. I, I keep writing and make more specials. I'll do 300 sets a year. I'll tour, I'll build up fans. I'll just like, yeah. that's kind of the steady trajectory that I'm on. And it, I, I, I'm not like, um, I was never going to be a like breakout artist. That was never, it was just never going to be the route for me for when mm-hmm. I started, for who I am, for what my brand is, for what my comedy is. It was never, I'm not going to be like viral sensation. That's just mm-hmm. not, it's always going to be a slow build. And my career feels more and more like Andy and Shawshank where you just go chip away each night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. uh, and then, you know, you, you, you start to see, I remember talking to Nate about that, about this special mm-hmm. runs of the family that came out and it was like, He's like, I was like, hey, I hope it's like some big viral thing. And he's like, it probably won't be. <laughs> like, he goes, yeah. it's, it's just the reality. It, yeah. Like he goes, like for guys like us, it's just like this. It's just a slower build. And yeah. fans, and then you'll go back to that market a year later and you'll have new material and they'll come back and they'll bring more fans. And yeah. ultimately, the way that you deal do build a, a big, strong, faithful fan base is through touring. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Man, that's, that's so, so good. And uh I met Nate Bergazzi the day after I filmed my dry bar. Mm-hmm. And he told me 
he said, hey, it might do really well and that'll be great. And it might not. And that's okay too. Yeah. Yeah. I called Nate the day my uh, agent dropped me and he was like, oh yeah, he's stupid. None of that means anything. And he goes, but he goes, but this is good. He goes, now you have a chip on your shoulder. Mm. And he goes, uh, you grew today. <laughs> very Nate thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, before we wrap up with the with the show in Tulsa, um, this is more of a per- personal question. What do you wish new comics were asking you? Um, new comics were asking me. Um, I don't know. I I think when like I I really feel for the new comic and that I I don't I'm not gonna answer that specifically. I'll just talk about how I like specifically feel for the new comic because Taylor and I were like talking about this, like we started 11 years ago and that was, it was like, it wasn't pre internet obviously, but we weren't in like the boom that we're in right now. Mm -hmm. Like I remember being a young comic and, and knowing the things that I didn't want to hear were usually the things that I needed to hear, which were like, Hey, don't worry about a website. Don't worry about a headshot. Don't worry about getting clips. Don't worry about any of that stuff. Like you need to just get on stage as much as you can and worry about crushing. Like your Mm -hmm. only objective is to get as good as you can on stage. Mm -hmm. And I remember hearing that and they're like, you don't need to worry about the road. Because when when I first started, the road was like, that's it. I want to be at the road. And I don't know even the same the mindset anymore like it's even just in the 11 years that i've been like i just i feel for new comics because i think what you see is the biggest comics right now are the ones like having like all these like viral Mm -hmm. clips and reels and tiktoks and i just i just don't think that can be the goal or should be a goal for a long Mm -hmm. time and Mm -hmm. i don't and i don't know any comic i know no comics who are happy about the material they released within their first five years mm-hmm. of doing stand-up. Yeah, that, yeah. And I actually know more of them, myself included, who have gone out of their way to try and get that stuff. Because mm. <laughs> <laughs> there isn't, when you do start, there isn't an urgency to be seen. Like you feel an urgency to be seen, yeah. to be successful. Mm. But like that is that is just not long-term success for you. And actually it's probably learned long-term harm because I think one of the worst things that you can, one of the worst things that can happen to you as a young comic is being seen too early. Mm. Like that can be full on demonstrative, potentially derailing to your career because someone saw you not be good. Yeah. Yeah. It's what they think now. Like another comic. And that's like the danger of posting stuff on the internet. If like, mm-hmm. you know, you can just like I remember I remember sending my stuff to like a booker, like an early clip that I thought was pretty good at the ice house. And he responded back to me. He's like, I have 300 comics better than you. Like, Ooh. yeah. I was like, you didn't have to give a number. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so, for the specificity. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I I I would say like. But I also I'm very sympathetic to that idea where you go, but I this is what it means to be a comic. Like everybody's posting. I'm supposed to post. I'm supposed to get reels out. I'm supposed to get clips. I'm supposed to film all my sets. I'm supposed to do topical stuff. So I get it. And I, I think that I, I was very desperate early on to be successful. So I get it. Like yeah. I understand where it comes from. But 
that would be my more generic advice of just like, yeah, just it's don't if you, if you can, if you can not post film, if you can just focus on things, adjust your writing and your performing for as long yeah. as you can. But I also understand that it's hard to get booked when you don't have those things. Yeah, that, I was going to tell you. So my buddy Mason just bought our loony bin. Mm-hmm. And he's he's booking right now, and he is looking at Instagram followers. Yeah, yeah, for openers too. No, just for headliners. For headliners, absolutely. Yeah. But you should be thinking about headlining for yeah. six, seven mm-hmm. years in, anyway. So you know, like absolutely for headliners. When you are looking to start headlining clubs, all they care about is your following. Just look mm-hmm. at the websites. Like that doesn't that doesn't mean like if you look at the websites. There, it wouldn't. It used to be like seen on this, this, and this, and this, this. It doesn't even that doesn't even matter anymore. It's yeah, people with big online followings, and I get it because yeah, Mason, he's he's got to fill that room. Yeah, you know, he's got he's got he's got seats. He needs people to come in and buy bad food and uh, and listen to <laughs> these jokes. Like he's got he's got rent that's due. So absolutely, as a headliner, but. So the younger the younger comic, like I, I just I wouldn't I would I would say hold off on that as long as you can. That's awesome. So the reason you're on the podcast, uh, you're coming to Tulsa. We mm-hmm. have a new comedy club opening up in July, Bricktown Comedy Club, which they've got a bunch of them around. And you are doing August 26th. Correct. You're, you're doing it's a Saturday. It's 4 p.m. Yeah. It's a so 13, 13 and plus show. And I am doing it. Um because I asked you if I could open for you. <laughs> <laughs> which is great. Yeah. And I said, yes, I was happy to have you. Yeah. And uh, which I'm stoked. And it's, uh, you know, uh, I don't even know if we mentioned this, I guess, at the beginning, but you're a clean comic. I and, am a clean comic. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we probably should have started with that. You're a clean comic. <laughs> and uh, so, which is great. I can, we can invite so many people and younger kids, like teenagers can come to the show. I don't know. Why is the show up for? Uh, the show's at four because that was a date that routed with another date that I have in that area. And I pinged the booker and he's like, we can do an earlier show. And I was like, great. My, my, my crowd, they do not care how early the show is. They, it's the late shows that I have a hard time getting parents show up to. It's like, I can't be out that late. I'm like, yeah, neither can I. You think I'm happy about this? (laughs) Like, I don't. It's uh, it's tough for me too. It is so funny when you look at the ticket counts. Like I'm in the Des Moines Funny Bone, like in three weeks, something like that, and it is like seventy five percent full early shows, and like eight people for the late shows. Wow! (laughs) Can we just send them to an early show and cancel the late shows? But you can't, and it's those late shows that'll make you good. But it doesn't mean I want to do them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So August 26th, uh, Bricktown comedy club in Tulsa, Oklahoma, um, 13 and plus I'm opening for you. Is there somebody else on the show too? I think Steve Rogers is middling on those. Yeah. Hey, that's great. I'm opening for Steve Rogers in July. Oh yeah. Perfect. I've never met him and I've wanted to for a long time. Are you opening for him in July? Where at the Looney Bin in Tulsa. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. nice. He's doing a week there. Great. Yeah. End of end of July. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, he's good people. That's great. Yeah. I've heard you talk about him. Um, and uh, then go to DustinNickerson.com for tickets. Yeah. That's great. I had one more question. I meant to ask you this at the beginning and I forgot. I always think about this when you're talking about Taylor Tomlinson and you mentioned it earlier. You and Taylor started at the same time in San Diego. 
correct? Mm -hmm. Yes. So pretty, pretty awesome example of what you were talking about, about being nice to everybody. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and we were like, and we weren't friends because she was like 18 and I was like a full adult. <laughs> well, you know, like, but we were just nice and friendly. And then we started working the road together around the same time. And yeah. when you start working the road, I, I don't, again, comedy is so little about the road anymore. And it's all about the internet. But like back in the day, like you, uh, you, whoever you first started working the road with around the same time, you had kind of a kinship with because you would just text and call and be like, where are you at? You know, mm -hmm. and there's so mm -hmm. much, there's so much driving early on. There's mm -hmm. so much driving when you first start, like, because you're doing these weird colleges and these clubs and these just venues that there's just like, you land somewhere and then you drive somewhere mm -hmm. or you can't afford to fly there yet, or you got to fly into the cheaper airport and make the drive. There's a lot of driving early on <laughs> and, and you just, you, you call, uh, you find who else is on the road with you. Mm. So we kind of became friends, uh, through that. And, uh, that being said, I mean, I wasn't, when you met, when you saw Taylor Tomlinson the first time you weren't be like, Hey, I should be nice to her, you know, just mm. in case something works out for her. She was like Thanos. Yeah. She was inevitable. Like she mm. was, mm. my wife said, the best thing Mel said this about Taylor. She goes, everyone remembers the first time they saw Taylor Tomlinson. Mm. And I think that that's true. And it was especially true when she was young in the clubs. And oh. you would be like, what? Who is like, she's got community college bits because that's how old she is right now. Like she's yeah. a murderer, an absolute crusher. So that's awesome. Um, okay. I want to plug a couple of your things. If you're listening to this podcast, you like my comedy, you like Chris. You're going to love Dustin. And um, there's a bunch of different ways that you can support him. First, come to the show. Let's pack it out in Tulsa. Um, and um, uh, so Dustin will come back. And then <laughs> and then uh, Dustin's got a book. You got a book, which I have read. Uh, actually, I listened to it on the road. <laughs> um, How to Be Married to Melissa. And it's a very awesome book. It does a, it's a lot about your life, a lot about marriage. And then it's also very funny. And I very much enjoyed, enjoyed listening to it. Your podcast, which is Don't Make Me Come Back There, which is a funny podcast about family, which I listen to every week. And I love it. You can get to know Melissa. And um, oh, and then your special runs in the family, which I saw and it's funny. Oh, actually, I saw it live. We were there. Uh, yeah, we you were there. Yeah. At the Addison Improv. Uh, yeah. So, um, I'm a fan. I'm, I, I, if you could tell, I'm a fan of your company. Thanks, Adam. Appreciate Ab that. Absolutely. So check out, and it's free. His special's free. It's on YouTube. You can go to Dustin Nickerson's page and, um, yeah. And, um, and you can, you can join the comments of people who think he's a different comedian for some reason. I know that's very funny. Yeah. yeah. The ongoing, it's so hard to, so hard to establish yourself in this <laughs> watch the whole thing and go, oh, I love Aaron Weber. You're like, what? <laughs> yeah. that by a mile so oh that's awesome well dustin thanks for uh yeah, thanks for yeah thanks for having me all right that's it chris did you enjoy the interview oh he's clive you can't you can't see <laughs> if you're listening to this he's slow i'm sorry clapping. i was silently why did i feel like i had to silently clap no it's an audio podcast you can yeah right okay. i can clap yeah, yeah yeah so i was i was slowly clapping yeah slow, i was giving dustin nickerson a slow clap you did a great and he felt it was great yeah it, it was, was great
So many great thoughts. It really was meaningful to me to hear just kind of some of his family dynamic, the idea of doing this together. That's something like with his wife, that's something that's really meant a lot to me with my wife, Lisa, is that's been very on the top of our mind of like, I don't want to just like, Chris wants to go live his dream. It's that we're doing this together. We're a team here. And so uh, that was really cool to hear him talk about, about that. And also that everything that I'm doing in my career is not what I should be doing as far as being on social media and doing video. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm just like, yeah, no, I, obviously it's like, you shouldn't quit your job. And I'm like, but it did. But, we did. <laughs> but no, yeah, uh, he's, he's coming from a different perspective, like straight stand up, all that kind of stuff right. where I'm, I do, I'm not like a straight, I wouldn't even consider myself like a, a stand up really. Well, well I'll, also, you know, I think he's coming from a perspective of like these guys who are like, I'm, I'm, I've been in comedy for four years and I'm going to, I'm going to go out there and make it only in comedy. Yeah. Right. I've been a writer and a freelancer for, I mean, this wouldn't work. It, so right. Right. Time. Totally. Yeah. I've been performing for 20 years or whatever, right. uh, doing acting and characters and all that kind of stuff. So it's not like I just rolled out of bed one day and we're like, I'm going to make it a, as this. Also, we have a backup plan. We can just go back into video production. Like, yeah. Which, uh, do we sound like we're just making excuses now? I think it sounds like we're rationalizing it. It does sound like that. I I did like what he said, though, about that uh, having a a job and doing comedy at the same time actually helps you because you're not just having to do things and compromise just to make Oh, yeah. That, That was a really interesting insight. And made me question a few things that I've done or whatever. It's like, oh, that's interesting. But that being said, I, I mean, I don't, yeah, I, I still would say I feel like I'm on the right track. No, I, and I appreciate I, what he's saying. I'm not even disagreeing with him. I'm just saying, I think for what I'm doing, I think it's a little different. Oh, totally. Yeah. And I, I mean, yeah, especially with just, uh, I, I, you know, here, here's the thing I think a lot of comics, especially when they're first starting out, maybe they don't have a guiding voice with them that is, yeah. is, is saying, Hey, you've got to, don't forget to provide for the family. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Whereas, you know, we've been married for so long uh, to other people. And I mean, we just have a responsibility and we, you know, both of our wives were on board whenever we were like, we're going to step away. Yeah. And so, and there were, there have been contingent, contingent, contingency plans. One thing that yeah, we didn't talk about, one thing that we didn't talk about in the episode, which I should say, by the way, that was a real treat for everybody who got to listen because I emailed Dustin and I said, Hey, could we just talk for 10 minutes on a podcast yeah, yeah. on the phone mm-hmm. and just to promote the show? And then yesterday he was just like, What about we do it on Zoom and we can go longer than 10? And so yeah. and I think we went like 40. So that's awesome. Really, I, I, I think Dustin is. I think he's going to just continue to get bigger and bigger. And I think he's going to be, um, I, I just think he's hilarious. I think he's so good. And yeah. Uh, oh, I, like, like I, I honestly, like personally, I'm not a huge fan of stand-up comedians very often. <laughs> like, just the, them as people. No, I just mean like, like stand-up comedy. I, I, I feel like if it, just any random stand-up comic, I normally don't think is very funny. Like, yeah. Not like I'm like some comedy snob, but I just, I don't know. It feels like it takes a certain level of ability to, for me to be interested in it. And I just, I like, I think the very first thing I ever saw Dustin do was like a, 
some video that he posted of him doing stand-up and I just thought it was amazing and really clever and all that. So I don't know. I'm rambling here, but the point is I think I, I think he's just gonna keep getting bigger and bigger. I think he's amazing. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. And I hope he oh, takes it's a treat. Up. We got to we got to hang out with him for a little bit. It was awesome. It was so cool. Um and he was telling he told us in the in the uh interview, Steve Rogers is a comedian who I think I've seen on Conan or Colbert. Uh I'm sorry, Fallon or Col- Colbert, one of them um mm. is is gonna middle is gonna feature which is great for so many reasons number one i didn't know if i was doing like sometimes whenever you open for a con like when i opened for kevin nealon it was like i it was just me and kevin nealon so i did 20 right, yeah which is very odd so you're kind of starting it but also you kind of but you got to go longer you know yeah. and so and i didn't know if it was like that kind of situation or if there was going to be a feature which means i only have to do 10 minutes because I can crush 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can do 10 minutes. And, yeah. I, and and the idea that I can I don't have to think about like, okay, I gotta I gotta kill 25 minutes. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, thank that's you. Great. Yeah. That's that's so great. So and Steve Rogers is a great comic, and my assumption is that um he'll just be complete. I don't think he's clean all the time, but he'll be clean during the show. So DustinEckerson.com, go check it out, listen to his podcast, read his book. Join his Patreon. I'm a big yeah. fan, and you should do all those things. Chris, any anything else you want to? Yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited. You're coming on the show. I'll be I'll be in attendance. Yes, well, okay. I'll yeah. be in the audience, cheering you on, Adam. Just cheering you on. This is slipping into Pastor Bobby. My boy <laughs> did it. He's doing you it. You can do it. <laughs> I feel like if Pastor I believe Bobby, in you. If Pastor Bobby had a real church, if he was a real guy, I feel like he's the pastor that if I did his church and bombed, he still would have such so good, <laughs> so good. You have a gift, sir. Adam, really? you keep at it. Listen, you keep at it because you're good. You, that was good. It didn't feel like it went very well. Well, you know, just because people weren't laughing doesn't mean you weren't funny. Okay. okay. That, that does feel like the main indicator that I wasn't you, very you funny. You just keep doing Listen, it was, I don't know, people were tired. <laughs> yes, excuses. <laughs> that is exactly what that person would do. Yeah. It's Sunday night. People are always tired on Sunday night. Listen, I preach on Sunday nights. I know how hard it can be. <laughs> He's just going to encourage you right into the ground. Yeah. Just lead oh, you right off a cliff. Yeah. It's not you. It was the, it was, they weren't ready for it. <laughs> it's beyond them. <laughs> hey, you were too good. You're too good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good. Um, I'll leave you with this story. I uh, I did a little showcase at the Looney Bin last night and uh, had a bit of a heckler. Ooh, yeah! Awesome. And I was explaining it to Die. It was a it was a, a drunk lady, her tipsy on the front row, and she just was asking me questions during the show, like during my set. Like I was like, I have a daughter. How old is she? <laughs> and uh, and uh, Die was like, Oh, I thought a heckler was more like boo. And I, I think like maybe like the idea of a heckler, like that is true. Like maybe in movies and stuff. 
But that's not the case. It's the person that mess, like, messes up the rhythm of your joke. Right. Yeah. The yeah. person who we would maybe consider a heckler now. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and so I'm, and I'm trying to do a really good job. Uh, I mean, mm. I'm always trying to kill, but both of the owners were there. Mm. Uh, I had never met the second owner and I'm just, and we've got a show coming up. I want people. Yeah. So anyway, I want to make a good impression. And uh, so she's sitting right in front of me with her husband and she says, just like this, she goes, how, how old is she? Like, just like that, like that cadence. Mm -hmm. And I just responded very quickly and go, we're not taking questions. (laughs) (laughs) And then, which is, I mean, it's pretty rude. Like it's kind of a rude response from me. I mean, I was trying to make it funny, but like, be quiet. I look, I did not, I was looking at her and I look over at her husband and he looks like the biggest Italian mobster I have ever seen. And I internally, it was just like, oh, oh no. Yeah. I mean, he, the look on his face was not good. Oh my God. So when I got off of stage, I, uh, they, they actually asked with like the manager went and asked her to be quiet. Mm-hmm. But when I found out that there was a chance they were going to be escorted out. I went to a different part of the building yeah. because I thought this guy, I don't know what this guy's going to do, but he might punch me in the face. <laughs> and if he punched me in the face, his fist was as big as my head. He would oh. break my, he would break my, my cheek. So maybe I'll, maybe I'm going to read. No, read you would have gotten a bit out of it though. Yeah. You but maybe, gotten, yeah, maybe, maybe Surely I, got something. I got something out of it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it kind of was like on the outside, I was like, we're not taking questions. And then internally, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's All right. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We hope you enjoyed this special episode. We will try to do it more if you did. If you did like it, let us know. You can comment. Follow me at Hey Adam Bush on Instagram and TikTok. You can follow Chris at Chris Munch Comedy on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube as well. Um, uh, like our podcast. Subscribe to our podcast. Spotify. Apple Podcasts and YouTube, and please share it. That is the most helpful thing that you can do. And if you want to send us a question, we will read it on air, on radio air, riskitpod at gmail.com. And that's it. That's it. See you next time.